Invest in salary that will draw good people to come and work for DMV and provide that professional level of service that will move things along. Welcome to another edition of the Scenic View podcast. I'm Jonathan Owens, Communications Director here at Scenic. With me today is Artist Watkins, Executive Director of Scenic, and a special guest, Suzanne Beasley, our Government Relations Director. Hi. Hi. How are you guys? Good. Excited to be here today. We're good. It's it's fun. It's old times. It is. Good times. Good times. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we don't have a, an outside guest coming in today, but sometimes those are our best episodes when we just get to riff a little bit. So we're going to talk about a few topics that have been in the news concerning state employees and possible privatization at the DMV and the situation at the Durham schools. But I want to jump in first off just talking about the election a little bit. Primary is March 5th. Early voting is happening now, so go out and cast your vote. thought it was interesting this week. I saw two tweets that I wanted to bring to both of y'all's attention. The first one was Dale Falwell's tweet about him receiving more votes than Trump, Robinson, and Stein in the last two elections. Yeah, it's factual. Yeah. I mean, that's a very... It seems like something you would want in your candidate, correct? I mean... You would definitely think. Pretty amazing. And then Travis Fain, former WRAL reporter, just basically asked the question, like, why is he not the clear cut candidate here so yeah i saw that that's a good question that that heated up a lot of talk on on the internet so i think this is kind of the problem political parties are having in general with the public you find fewer and fewer people other than folks who feel extremely one way or the other who really say they identify with a party just very very extreme individuals is what we're being left with because most folks feel like well sometimes i agree with this party and sometimes with the other one and that's just the way it is People are issue voters. Yeah. Well, Treasurer Falwell's been an issue politician. Yeah, and I guess I just look at elections in a more of a sports attitude. Isn't the goal of an election to win? And if you're picking a candidate to win, it seems like a more unifying candidate like Dale would be better than someone who's going to... There's no possible way that the Democrats are going to support Robinson, you know? Right. It's very unlikely your average Democrat... Democratic voter, Democrat would... uh, Would even consider voting that way. Yeah, that would be pretty unlikely. You're trying to... The biggest group of people, though, anybody's fighting for right now are independents. But again, I think that is where... I I see the point Travis was making. Treasurer Falwell, because he's an issue person, people like that. People like that he's very clear about the things he stands for. And mainly, it it is pretty wrapped around transparency. And voters tend to like that. It's a bizarre thing. And not to toot our own horn a little bit, but, you know, our voters... Scenic voters tend to be open-minded about who they pick, and they we have supported Falwell. We have. Impact endorsements show that, too. Our, the members of Impact, the Employees Political Action Committee, it's the political arm of Scenic. They have to sign an actual statement to be nonpartisan in their decisions, and they very much focus on the issues. So, fair point about yeah, issue-based voting. I, I venture to guess that we may have had a part in him getting more votes than Trump. Or <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, definitely, I think there are Scenic members who voted for Treasurer Falwell in, in his elections when Impact endorsed yeah. him, who probably, well, I know this because some of them told us, I never voted for a Republican before and I voted for that man. Yeah. So we know that our members trust us uh-huh. because they know it's members making those yeah. decisions. And again, members who've pledged to be nonpartisan. Right. They trust us and scenic members vote. I just, sorry to jump right into that topic like that, but I throw you guys for a loop or anything, but I thought that that was just an interesting exchange on the, on the Twitters or X, as you may call them now. Another election-related 
thing from last week was our interview with uh, Wesley Harris that we dropped. That was actually pretty well received, it seemed. Uh, I joked with artists that I think Democrats listen to podcasts maybe more than Republicans. <laughs> yeah, I'd be <laughs> curious to, to see data on that. No, I think that Representative Harris had a, a really interesting, if you've not listened to that podcast and you're hearing this one, you need to go back and listen to it because his take on the Office of Treasurer and on why it should matter to all state employees and retirees was, was interesting. Yeah, I actually learned a lot from that interview, so I, I'm not saying I'm the smartest when it comes to the treasurer issues. But well, he's he, an economist. It's not yeah, like we were gonna. It was a high level. Not talk learn something to talking to an economist. That's what I'm trying to say. It was an it was a high level interview. You and him going at it. So I thought it was pretty cool. So I did make my daughter listen to that interview on the way to school Wednesday. Ooh. Oh gosh. Yeah, John. and we were we got in traffic, so it was about 20 good minutes of her listening to the, the state treasurer candidate. Oh my goodness. She has some notes for us. Uh, she does. Yes, Clara said that my voice is too high, which I think that is, that's probably like, it's true because uh, sometimes I go to like fast food restaurants at the drive-thru and they'll say, ma'am, how are you, ma'am? We have the opposite problem there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe electronic recording equipment makes my voice higher. That's what I'm telling myself. That's what it is. Yeah. Also, she said that artist sounds way smarter than me. So that's probably true. <laughs> Yeah. Artist is here's smarter the, than all here's of us. Here's the bottom line. Clara, if Taylor Swift came on this, we wouldn't matter at all to Clara. And she did say this one thing, that man is still talking. Talking about Wesley. <laughs> oh, well, that's what so you want. So what to talk about. It's that's what right. to talk uh, about. It's a, probably not a topic for an 11-year-old, but... No, but. that was really cruel to do. But, you know, good for her for getting into the issues. And then she said, will you please turn on Taylor Swift? Hashtag Swifties. <laughs> So let's get into some of the topics that we're uh, talking about this week. Uh, first, let's talk about the DMV situation. I know there was a story about possible privatization uh, from was it yeah. CBS 17. Yeah, um, I saw Michael Hyland had done an interview with Senator Lazara, who was expressing a lot of concern about how DMV is being run and possible legislation that he may file to privatize DMV. Yeah, it said there was a study that was part of the budget, yeah, and it's coming out May 1st. I guess when when did the session start? April 24th. So uh, we obviously have some opinions on this. So. Well, yeah, I mean, we oppose privatization in state government. You know, first out the gate, that's it still leaves liability for the state anytime you privatize anything in any agency. So, you know, that can certainly be a, a larger cost to taxpayers. And some of the DMV agencies that do tags and registration, that kind of thing, are already privatized. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the long lines. So I don't know, yeah. privatizing may not be the best situation well, here. Well, that's the thing. Half the time when people are complaining about DMV, they don't even realize they're complaining about privatized services. Then they'll say, yeah. you know, yeah. state government is just, you know, it's the DMV. Yeah. Usually what they're thinking of is not state employees, but that's most people's, in their minds, only interaction yeah. with state government. And there's a cap on how many DMV employees in the agency can be hired. I think it's 565. And the last stat that I found was a 12% vacancy rate in DMV, which is crazy because right now, we're experiencing a 25% vacancy rate across all of state government. So they're actually in pretty good shape with permanent employees. The lack of some temporary employees is where we're facing a bit of a problem, and that all comes back to pay. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you want to have those professional services provided to the taxpayers of North Carolina, then you're going to have to pay. So I keep reading legislators are upset because they gave $90 million for modernization, and they're, they're upset. They're saying it didn't happen. 
we're not seeing the modernization. What's that about? So the legislature has written lots of checks to different agencies over my career that I've seen happen. That's between the agency and the powers that be as to what happens that, to that money. But I don't know that that $90 million has anything to do with the issue of privatizing DMV across the board. Right. Like, And, and I don't know. I don't know what kind of steps they took or didn't take to modernize. But it does seem like you call the agency before GovOps or something and you get the answers. Yeah that you need. I don't see where they're making the connection between $90 million to modernize and to heck with it, we'll just have private companies take over. Yeah, it seems like that's going to cost a lot more than... It (laughs) always does long run. There has never been a privatization that ends up long run costing less. Think about it. If we have these long lines now, The only way to get those lines to be less is have more people and who are even better qualified than you've got now. They can do it quicker. It's going to take a substantial investment from the people doing the business. So your only option there is to charge the taxpayers more, which I suspect would be coming if we had a privatization. Here's no question. Taxpayers will pay more. And then even then, there's not enough money in it if you're the private company, if you're having to put more people on the ground, unless you charge the taxpayers a whole lot more and the government pays you what you think it's worth. A private company is going to make money. I mean, it's their job. And talking about the the profit angle you were just talking about, in this story, it says private contractors run about 100 of the license plate agencies, but 25 of those sites, they can't get anyone to take over as a private contractor because it's not a profitable business. And I know just from personal experience, and I know it's been four years, but DMV was very much affected by COVID. They were out of business for six months, you know, and things just piled up so much on those agencies and i'm sure they've worked through it by now but you got to have a little patience if you're a consumer when you go to the dmv you got to expect that it's going to be i mean we always have yeah you know never been to dmv that i didn't expect to stand in line for just a little (laughs) while at least you know and you can call and make an appointment now i know sometimes i think those appointments get booted but you know there are a lot of north carolinians who need dmv services the thing is you hear people complaining that they were treated with rude behavior from the employees at dmv i've sat in line at DMV. And I got to tell you, I've seen rude behavior, but most of it's been fellow consumers like me Mm -hmm. who were in DMV waiting. And the patience level of people these days is just non-existent. And I guess maybe coming from it where I was coming from it, waiting in that line, I realized it's not those people who are trying to do their job. They're not being given what they need is enough co-workers. And and frankly, they deal with things they cannot make a mistake. There's public safety that people don't even realize public safety is on the line here. Can you tell us a little more about the public safety issues wrapped around DMVs around the country? So, I mean, let's think back to 9-11. Yes. You know, terrorists were able to get driver's licenses in in Florida. You know, and some of the things I was reading is, you know, DMV is the first line of defense in fraudulent ID. Right. That is something legit to consider. Doesn't the DMV database all around the country have to communicate with Homeland Security? Right, right. So this is really hard for me to wrap my head around that we would consider selling out to the highest bidder the most sensitive information that Homeland Security is literally involved with. I think your point about 9-11 should be the end of the story right there. Uh, Totally. Yeah, we posted this story to Facebook and one of the first comments was, I don't know if it was an employee at DMV or not, but he was saying that, what are you going to do? Turn all of this social security numbers and stuff over to a private company? You know, I mean. Yeah, and and again, going back to the, the, just the research I did in Florida, 
Apparently, the rule, the administrative rule, is only a certain number of companies would be privy to this vendor's list um, where they get access to your information. They're insistent that it doesn't include things like Social Security numbers. But as I read further, there were actually 84 companies when the limit was like five who were getting this information for whatever reason they're using it. But that does not sound secure. Uh, It's not. There's no way. So, you know, again, I think that if you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, the prices are going to go up for tax taxpayers if you do this. You know we have had a major terrorist incident in this country where the terrorists got driver's licenses somehow. It just seems like you'd want to improve the controls and in fact spend a lot more money on the folks working at DMV because they're a front line to so many things people don't think about. Yeah, that's what I was just going over in my head. That maybe they're they're looking at this the wrong way that maybe it's not cost savings by privatizing and turning this over to a company that's going to be a race to the bottom for those salaries and they're going to get even less people in. Maybe what they really need to do is invest more money into DMV to hire more employees, to maybe have more agencies. I mean, think about it. If I own a privatized DMV and I'm starting to do the driver's license testing and everything, I'm going to try to push people through there as quickly as I can or else, like you said, Suzanne, my whole point is to make money. Mm -hmm. I can't make as much money if I'm not moving you through. So maybe my folks doing the driver's testing, when they do the road test or whatever, they're much more forgiving just to move everything thing through. This is literally what could happen. That affects every single person on the road anywhere. And insurance companies who are going to insure these folks who get a license. They're counting on the the folks doing these tests to make sure nobody gets through that really shouldn't have that license Mm -hmm. and be eligible for the insurance. And to the point about things being more expensive to the taxpayers, you think people are impatient and grumpy now over DMV? Well, hike up the prices Uh and then see if legislators don't start getting a lot more phone calls than they're getting now. So let's break this down for the taxpayer slash consumer. Your choices are you can pay more for a private company to do this, probably worse, and have higher fees. Or you can have your government invest more in DMV and have more agencies open. Particularly employees. Invest in employees. Invest in salary that will draw good people to come and work for DMV and provide that professional level of service that will move things along in a secure and proper way. We've got such good people that I can think of off the top of my head working in these jobs. Yeah, and the main do. thing I'm hearing is, where's the respect? You know, there is not even any voice given to the fact, or maybe there's no awareness of the fact, they get in vehicles with people they do not know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have to as part of their job, and they're performing this vital public function, but they literally have to put their life in their hands by getting in a car with somebody they don't know and who might have evil intent. That's a pretty big sacrifice to make on the job. And mm-hmm. usually when you make a safety sacrifice, jobs pay more. Yeah, you know? I noticed that my license, uh, just personally, I think I'm up to like eight years now. I have to go back every eight years or something. Yeah. Maybe they, I mean, I'm sure they're thinking about far more than I'm just riffing here, but like, I should be able to just do that online. I don't have to take a test or anything like yeah. that. Maybe there's well, ways. We to, can do what it we once. need to do is get somebody, we have such good people I can think of in DMV, get somebody in here to talk with us yeah, more yeah, in depth that's about a great idea. Yeah. Somebody on the inside that mm-hmm. can tell us exactly what it looks looks like. I mean, it's one of the jobs that really affect everyone. And there's there's so many state employee jobs that the general public doesn't realize. And hey, DMV, we appreciate you. Yes, we do. we are looking for everyone to not only keep you from being privatized because you're important, but to acknowledge and treat you like you're important. Yes. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll have more on that topic as the session draws near. Do you expect a quick bill to come out about that? So Senator Lazara says he is intending to file that legislation. How far 
Clark goes will be questionable. Yeah. I would think that they're going to be in a pretty good go mode this session so they can start campaigning for the upcoming general election. So So I remember one time I was talking to you. I like to talk politics with you because you know more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I had seen on there was like a joint study committee on some privatization and somewhere. I think your response was, yeah, they'll have a study the first year and then next Yeah, that year happens a lot, especially if there's a lot of pushback on, on a yeah. particular bill, then they will send it to a study committee. But this seems to be moving yeah. really fast. Well, yeah. and this, the study's coming in May it, as well. Yeah. The, the, the and the word we're hearing is for. that the department has been yeah. steadily at work giving everybody at the legislature the exactly information they've, they've been asking for. about. I mean, it's, it very much sounds like every other time we've seen fast-tracked privatization. Yeah. Well, that's one to watch. Moving on to our second topic, the Durham Public School situation. I know there was a little update this week. The Durham Public School School Board granted an 11% raise for those folks. But do you have any more details on that? So the school board met again in Durham on Thursday night. It's my understanding they voted to continue the 11% raise through the end of June, which is their fiscal year. And Comptroller said they could fund that. What they're not willing to do is what the salary study that had been completed and people were getting additional money from, they're not willing to continue with that. So that's what's the rub for a lot of the classified folks. So Will Doran at WRAL reached out to us last week, wanted to take a kind of a broader look at this issue. A big tactic for the employees there were, were sick outs. And he wanted to know kind of our take on, do we support that? But artists, you told Will that we find that we get more done when we sit at the conference table than we do outside holding signs. I did say that, and I, I meant it because, first of all, public employees generally, the reason the law precludes us from being able to walk off the job is because it's not a coffee shop where if people walk out, somebody doesn't get their latte, and then the company loses money because they didn't sell mm-hmm. a lot of lattes that day. This affects your fellow North Carolinians. If, if we're not on the job, somebody else can't be on their job. It's a domino effect of how it affects the taxpayers. So our membership, all, all we do as an organization is whatever the members say we should do. And as long as I've been around here, our members have been clear. We're going to get pretty upset sometimes, and we're going to let people know that we're upset. But we have to try to find a way to work that out, because we're not going to walk out of prisons. We're not going to walk out of DHHS facilities with the vulnerable populations in them. Things like that, because we would leave people without the public services. There's just this unspoken contract between public servants and the public. And at the end of the day, there's got to be a different way. Now, in Durham, everything, that was such a mess that was made. Absolute total mess. And I understand the frustration all day long. But when kids weren't going to school, that meant other folks weren't getting to their jobs. And some of those were public employees. We were hearing from them who were parents. And one thing you and I talked about was it's a lot different when you're striking against a rich CEO of a company and when your sick out will affect your neighbor. Correct. And so the taxpayers are basically the boss. Yeah. I mean, it's a tragedy when people get to that point of frustration. And clearly in Durham, that's exactly where they were. They didn't know anything else to do at that point. I think that that's where organizations like Scenic hopefully can provide leadership. Somebody actually said, um, you know, well, what if you can't get to the table? What if they won't have you at the table? If you're absolutely shut out from the table, there's something else going on. Right. Yeah. Because no matter how much you know what we raise down at the legislature, it's it's very rare that I've ever felt in all these years that, shut we've, out. You know, yeah. that we've been completely shut out from being at the table. Now, 
not saying things don't happen without the amount of at the table we would like. Yeah. But there's usually a way to get in there and get your voice heard and get some things done. You have to be able to stick up for your members when they're not being paid appropriately. And certainly, like I said, in Durham, this sounded like an absolute cluster from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And you want to fix that. But short term, the, the satisfaction of the sick out, I, I'm afraid is going to be a long term, huge cost for all public employees. Because I do not think the General Assembly is going to sit idly by while schools get shut down. Mm-hmm. And it's a fear I have. I mean, Suzanne, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but it's a fear I have about how public employees are going to pay the price for this. Oh, yeah. I mean, those kind of actions trickle down to everybody who's working in a public service position. But, you know, going back to not being shut out in conversations, you know, Scenic's got a team of lobbyists we always have on the ground every day, as long as the General Assembly's in session and even in the interim when we're covering JLOC committees. But, you know, we've worked hard to build relationships with legislators. And, and I do think that's the way yeah, we, and we that you get things And we vehemently disagree with each other, yeah. to be clear. We'll go in with leadership when they have us in to talk about the budget, and we will really lock horns. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I can tell you we're going to walk out of there with more for state employees and retirees than exactly. they would have had without mm-hmm. having been at the table. Exactly. But I think there's kind of a contract between employees and the public, whereas the state employees are prohibited from striking, you would also want the legislators to meet you at the table, right? I mean, there should be... Absolutely. Everyone has a duty here to mm-hmm. make sure that the public gets the best services they can at the most reasonable cost to the taxpayers. We just were talking about it with DMV. Everybody should want the best thing for the taxpayers. And our job is to make it clear to policymakers why investing more in folks is, in fact, the best thing for the taxpayers. I mean, when we convinced the legislature to go to a $15 minimum wage for state employees, we were the first state in the country where that was done. And it was a Republican supermajority that did it. But the reason they did it was because it made sense to them Mm -hmm. that if we were going to keep providing level of quality services we wanted to, that they would have to take this step. So that's our job to make a compelling case. Again, whatever happened in Durham, I don't know enough about it. I just know that at the end of the day, I do feel that that relationship between the public, there might be support in the moment, but long term, I fear that the public will not support public employees if they do see things like that. So we'll, we'll continue to watch that issue. I'm sure it'll be a hot topic for a while. Moving on to the last thing I have is just our last question of the week that we always do. Okay. What is- I, I have an interesting one for you, and I uh-uh. I worry that I may offend you, but I don't mean to. Oh, goodness. Okay. Let's talk about names, artists. Mm-hmm. So you have the most unique name that I've ever heard in my life. I've True. never seen another artist. Uh, have you ever seen another? Well, it was my grandmother's middle name. Oh, uh, okay. She was Lyra Artis Fitzgerald. So I guess you can figure where the name comes from. So is it a surname or is it just... It's Gaelic. It means of the hills. Oh, okay. So hillbilly. So there are more <laughs> artists. <laughs> there are more artists, yeah. Okay. So my question to you is what is the, the biggest pet peeve about your name? Is it when people call you artist? Artist or if your name's artist, you can't have a pet peeve about your name. I mean, you know, you just kind of have to expect things yeah, are coming. Yeah, I'll tell I you my pet peeve. my biggest pet peeve about your name <laughs> okay. is when uh, reporters call and they always refer to you as he. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, there are a lot of men named A R T I S. 
Oh yeah, like Artis Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, basketball, basketball player. player so. I mean, it's not uncommon. So okay. Well, I mean, again, if your name's Artist, you could yeah, you're gonna have to go through some stuff. I always wanted to be anybody else, any <laughs> normal name when I was little. But it was my grandmother's middle name. So as a grown person, obviously, I embrace it. I think I it's love awesome. Her very I, much. I think it's very unique and awesome. We, yeah, we and can, I, it fits. I can't yeah. imagine Artist being a Donna. It'd be awesome <laughs> to have been a Donna though. I'd have rocked Donna. <laughs> you would have. Suzanne would've. and I have like stereotypical. Mid seventies, eighties names: Jonathan and they're, Suzanne. They're timeless. Sus- I prefer to look at those as classic. You like don't that. see a lot of Jonathans classic. these days, though. Like no, in, not Jonathan. People no. aren't naming their kids Jonathan and Suzanne Which anymore. Is, they're both great names. Yeah, they are. They need to make a comeback. My pet peeve about my name is it's spelled J O N A T H A N, but everywhere you go, someone will say, "Is it J O H N A T A N?" Of course, yeah. no one in the world is named J O H N A T H A N. I promise. I've never met People another. People are named all kinds of weird things. And everybody asked that question. My dad's first name, his given name, was Bobby, not Robert. Bobby. I have a friend who's my old boss. Actually, so his people name are is, named all kinds of things. His He'd, name is Billy. Like really, Billy. just Billy. Not William. Not William. Yeah. yeah, Suzanne. Do you have any pet peeves about your name? Um, it's Suzanne. S U Z A N N E. How does anybody get Susan out of that? Yeah. Oh, it Although, if you all love me, you can call me Susie. Susie. I, I would see a lot of people calling yeah. you Susie. So. It's a nickname for sure. And you had red hair, so mm, it's a lot of gray now. But yeah. <laughs> People call you Susie, I bet. I get John a lot. That's basically what everyone calls me now. So The podcast has been taking off a little bit. We uh, we had some pretty good stats last week. We have some listeners in Germany. Uh, what wh- in the world? We are international. International celebrities. What, how do you say hello in German? Guten Tag. We need to learn more German, I think. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, Guten Tag, y'all. They're just fans of all things public employee. It could be Sammy's father, too. Sammy's the producer. I think she, I think she mentioned. Hey, Sammy's dad. He may be in Germany. So before we get out of here, is there any more you guys want to talk about? Suzanne, it's been great to have you on on the podcast. I look forward to many, many more episodes. I hope so. I've enjoyed it. You know, go vote. Early voting is happening now through March 2nd, and the the primary is on March 5th. So go vote. Vote Dale Falwell for governor and Wesley Harris for treasurer. And go to the Scenic website if you want to know the other Scenic Impact endorsements. Thank you to everyone who's listened and has been listening, and we hope to see you soon.